1: Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And today, we welcome back a guy that was uh, on this podcast a while back. He has since taken a new job, is now covering recruiting in the state of North Carolina and doing a great job of it, covering it for the Fayetteville Observer. It is Chapel Fowler who is joining us here on the Heel Tough blog podcast and uh first of all Chapel, how's it going uh with the new job man I know you uh took that job uh, uh, you know what a few months ago now it's probably been what about six months now and uh you've been killing it man so uh, how's everything going on uh, going down there in Fayetteville
0: yeah I, I well I appreciate the kind introduction um yeah I, I took this job and I think February 8th was my first day um So I'm actually up here in Raleigh. It's kind of like a statewide position. Um, So they're kind of like, live wherever, but at the same time, like, you know, Charlotte and Triangle are your two hotbeds. So I was already here in Raleigh for my other job, so I just decided to stay around. Um, But yeah, it's been great. A lot of flexibility, obviously. my job lined up well with football season getting pushed back all the way till late February which was like a weird perk you know I got to actually cover that football season that usually I would miss out on because it was in the fall so I guess that was good Um, see a weird high school schedule but it's worked out pretty well. I mean, obviously, dead period's over now, so there's been a lot of stuff going on in June. So, been pretty fun. Appreciate you asking.
1: Yeah, of course, man. Of course. You've uh, been doing a great job. And, you know, one of the events that you were covering this past weekend was the Mac, Ta- Mac Brown Showtime Camp, uh, which is the premier camp for prospects. They, of course, had prospect camps the weekend before. Uh, that's really more of just, you know, somebody that doesn't have an offer come out, try to impress the coaches this one there were some guys there that didn't have offers but these are some pretty special talents that were out there you know what kind of jumped off the page uh you know to you about the showtime camp and who were some of the guys that stood out
0: yeah um i mean i think first of all just kind of the laid-back vibe of it all and how happy everyone seemed to be able to do this again you know as you know um that June is the first month and I guess, like, 15 months that people have been able to interact face-to-face, prospects and coaching, you know, dead period, literally from March 2020 to June 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, background was having a good time. Phil Longo wore slides, I think, every single day that I was out at a camp over the last few weeks with no socks, so he was really laid back. Um, and, you know, the coaches are coaching players up. Um, the players are enjoying themselves. Everyone's mingling, Obviously. No masks, no distance being required. Um, and they did the entire Showtime camp actually inside the indoor facility uh, because of weather. I think it was heat. Um, so that's was kind of a nice perk for everyone involved. Um, that is a pretty sweet place with a lot of really large fans, so you never get hot. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think everyone just enjoyed um, being able to be out there in the first place. Um, I spent a lot of time later um i was really interested in the one-on-ones because you know that that can really be a proving ground like that's where the highlight plays get made um so i spent a lot of time looking at the offensive line versus defensive line mm-hmm. one-on-ones um which was a really fun setup you know uh, stacy serrells is coaching the o-line Ted cross is coaching the d-line um you know sometimes guys would take two reps against each other and one would win one one would win with the other and one of those two coaches was almost, like, dying, like, pulling him back. Like, come on, come on. Like, you got to do a tiebreaker. So, like, they were getting into it, too, which was fun. Um, but that, that was kind of where I spent most of my time in the one-on-ones um, and kind of some obvious standouts. Uh, Trevion Green, uh, one of UNC's 22 commits from Life Christian Academy in Virginia, um, got a six seven offensive tackle. Um, he just moved really well. Um, he stuck up a lot of blockers. Um didn't get beat too often um, I, I think he's lost some weight since he committed uh, he just looks I mean great shape menacing physically imposing um, he didn't lose much um, and his teammate Joshua Miller actually got an offer I think was it one or two days ago so after the camp because he played so well and he was doing a lot of center guard um, he didn't lose many matchups either um, and definitely one of those flexible offensive I you know, uh Joshua Zudu can play essentially every position on the offensive line at UNC, and they talk about that all the time. How much they love that versatility. Um, So I definitely saw that from Miller, Um, and then Monroe Freeland is like the number one player in South Carolina for the the upcoming junior class. Uh, He's a stud. He's got Clemson offers, um, interest from everybody. Um, He's another just massive like franchise left tackle, Um, and, and he was probably the most athletic. Pure, like physically impressive guy out there um defensive line uh Rico Walker is, is just really such a raw athlete it's kind of insane you know he'll, he literally split time between edge defenders which is kind of his primary position and tight end and no matter where he was playing what he was doing like he was beating guys he, he was showing his stuff um, so he really impressed me um and then Kayvon Freshwater was another defensive lineman that stood out um in those drills, I was specifically watching. He's a kid from Elizabeth City, um, a little bit under recruited. Those Eastern guys could kind of have a chip on their shoulder, um, but he was just really fast off the edge. Um, and, you know, I don't know if it's going to net a UNC offer, but with all these Showtime camps, you know, there's um, you know there's smaller coaching staffs. I think um, like Elon and ODU and a few other ones have been out about the week before, so he probably he probably earned himself some buzz um, from his Showtime performance as well. So yeah, like I said, I mostly focus on the the defensive line, offensive line showdown. So those are
1: kind of my main standouts. Well, and uh, hey, hey, that's a great spot to focus because that's an area where Carolina has to really continue to hit the recruiting trail hard if they're trying to get to the point that they want to be at, which is a college football playoff contender. Of course, that is going to be easier in the next couple of years when they eventually expand the playoff field, but that's a whole different conversation. Uh, you know, Carolina did get a commitment here recently as well from an in-state guy, guy that Carolina just offered earlier Earlier this month, and it seems like Bo Atkinson was kind of waiting on this offer to come from Carolina. You know, you go and, and throw on the film of this guy, and there is just so much to like about him. What are some of the things that you know from watching him that that stick out to you uh, about his game and what he can bring to uh, this Carolina defensive line?
0: Yeah, well, you really hit the nail on the head with you know how quick this process was. You know, I. I went to a Leesville Road game against Millbrook, actually. I think it was like mid-March. Um, two or three games into Bo's junior season. You know, he was a free star at the time. Um, it was not like he was lacking in interest whatsoever. You know, Power 5 schools were starting to nibble. Um, but I think he really, really benefited. He had obviously an excellent season. He was the conference player of the year, and that's like – that's a really good, deep 4A conference. Cardinal Gibbons has made two straight state championships. Leesville Road is in there. Millbrook's in there. They were good this year. Um, So he had a really good junior season, and he had some good camp performances. Um, And he definitely seems like one of those guys. that it worked on both ends. Once UNC was able to get him on campus in person and interact face-to-face, you know, they probably really liked what they saw. He probably really liked what he saw, being able to interact with the coaches so closely. Um, Gosh, like you said, yeah, that was a really, really quick process. Um, (laughs) I think within like a week, two weeks of getting – that offer, uh, and, you know, he, he, took his other visits and, you know, and then he was kind of sold. Um, yeah, he's a really, really unique defender. Um, the, the, one thing the Leesville coach told me when I talked to him about both of that story is kind of like, he gets a ton of tackles for loss, um, because they use him at this really unique position on the defense line. He can essentially play anywhere. Um, you know, he's probably gonna be more of an edge, um, in college, but, play anywhere on the defensive line, um, they kind of have this scheme that allows him to like really attack linemen at like tight, low angles. Um, and I mean, he's a huge guy, but he's really quick too. Um, mm-hmm. So he's able to kind of knife into the backfield. He did that a few times at the game I was at. Um, so I'm sure that's something that stood out to UNC. Obviously, he gained that four-star. Um, so he's pretty well regarded um, by a lot of recruiters, a lot of programs. Um, and then obviously, just as an edge, you know, that's a huge position in UNC's defense under the the mad scientist, Jay Bateman. So I'm sure that was another uh, point of interest for UNC.
1: Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, he's got a great motor, too. He plays with his hair on fire. I mean, he chases down just about every play, and I think that's something that Carolina is going to love about him. You know, another guy, you talked about the importance of that edge position. Carolina really has valued it in this class, and this is going to be a smaller class, and they've already taken on two edge guys. Uh, they just had Bryson Jennings, who was on campus as well, but let's talk about that first edge guy and the guy that was the first commit from the state of North Carolina in a class where the Toriels have really hit the state of Virginia hard and that's Malachi Hamrick you know he had a really really big sophomore season Uh, was one of the best players statistically in the state of North Carolina was just dominant at Shelby High School this past year Shelby not quite as good as they've been in the past and he took a little bit of a step back but this is still a guy that Carolina fans should be very excited about uh in the long term am I right
0: yeah absolutely um yeah, the, the sophomore statistics I think really jump off the page for anybody. Um, and yeah, he, he's kind of obviously he's in that edge position again. Um, I, th- I think Shelby so kind of experimented position wise a little bit with him, and obviously he was getting a mm-hmm. lot more attention on him with that UNC commitment, which he committed a few hours before their home opener. So he really wanted to get that out of the way, but I'm sure that added kind of like an extra extra motivation for all the other teams in his conference. Um, Yeah, I mean, he's another super-athletic guy. There was a video circulated a few weeks ago. I don't know if you saw him, like, running the hurdles and just, like, flat-out smoking (laughs) the other three guys in his heat. Um, And, yeah, I I think um, in in talking to him at his commitment back in February, he he was one of the guys that I really, you know, I've always found it interesting, like, how quickly Knockdown was able to just, you know, Come in and snap his fingers, and suddenly, State recruiting as surgeon again. Um, and Malika had grown up a UNC fan, you know, for the longest time. But in middle school, early high school, obviously, like those are the late Fedora years. There are obviously some highlights, but those last two years are pretty, pretty rough. Uh, anyone can tell you that. Um, so, so who knows how North Carolina was at that point? You know, once Mac came in, and he had a few guys from his area: Dontavius Nash, uh, Kobe Pesor, um, in the class of twenty-one that, that kind of went up to UNC and enjoyed it but I think he was definitely someone who U- UNC definitely can thank Mac Brown to some degree for getting because uh, he, he was just so excited about how much he, he's turned around the program whenever we were talking to him in February at that commitment uh, and I know he's trying to recruit his teammate Santana Hopper I'm sure he's trying to recruit other people um, <clears throat> obviously UNC wanted him to you know like start the snowball effect with end state recruiting um, maybe that'll happen more over the summer with uh but Malachi definitely seems set on working hard to uh
1: pull in some other people. Yeah, I think it's definitely, you know, a lot of guys, you could tell they were wanting to wait and get on to campus to some of these places they hadn't been. It's starting to sort of add up now. I think really over these next couple weeks, we're going to start seeing a lot of guys that are going to commit. Um, You know, one thing that you mentioned there that was interesting was that he may be looking to try to get his teammate Santana Hopper in there. We haven't really seen Santana be as closely tied to Carolina as maybe some people thought. And I think the main reason why is because it feels like Carolina is trying to go in all in on Travis Shaw. Things are coming down the home stretch here, and you know I, I was talking with a couple of people, and you know they were they were trying to figure out you know where does Travis Shaw rank in some of the best defensive linemen that have come through this state. And I'm going to be honest with you, I've seen him play multiple times. I think he is a just a, a phenomenal talent, and he went to the state championship game and played well. What you think about that? Because there were some people that I were talking to that they don't think he's quite on the same level as a guy like Dexter Lawrence or a couple other guys that have come out of the state. Yeah, in terms of comparison to other ones, um, not totally sure.
0: I don't have the historical base to make a smart opinion like some of those other people, but I think you know you mentioned how UNC, and this is a common theme, not just you saying it, they've said it many times, as you know, like, we need to get better in the trenches if we're going to compete you know, at that college football playoff level, at that Georgia, at that Clemson, at that Dama, at that Ohio State level. Like, deep, you know, seven, eight guys who can go in on any moment, you know, on the defensive and offensive sides of the line. You know, no fatigue. Um, So I think just for that reason, it kind of makes sense that Shaw is such, like, a coveted prospect. Um, And, you know, those guys can't single-handedly change games. I just saw a tweet a few days ago talking about, You know, one of the Dominican Sue's like best college games. And, you know, I think he finished like third in the Heisman as a defensive tackle. So, like, those guys have the value. Um, And, yeah, I definitely, I mean, UNC is going all out for that guy for good reason. Um, You know, he put them in his top four for good reason. You know, uh, the last two years of Fedora, that probably would be unheard of for a five star to even, you know, consider them. Um, So, that's definitely a good sign for UNC. But, I mean, they're up against some steep steep competition that has a lot of recent hardware um and history to show for it so i mean that, that's going to be a huge commitment that could not exactly make or break their summer but i mean i'm sure that's as everyone knows that that's one that they're looking at um and pushing for um if it's any consolation for them they did get him on campus first of those three visits that he's taken this summer um Visited UNC and then I think he was at the Clemson. Uh, they're kind of a lead recruit retreat, um, mm-hmm. and then most recently in Georgia. And the, those were the only three visits um, that he'd had planned at the moment. So
1: right, and know, he Memphis
0: is. First. I'm not sure if that. If they think that's an advantage or anything, but that's what happened.
1: He is going to take an official visit this weekend to Chapel Hill as well. Is what I, some people have said. I don't know if that's one hundred percent confirmed yet, but I believe that he is planning on taking an official visit to Carolina. And I think that's kind of symbolic of that's going to wrap up his recruitment. He'll then apparently potentially make a decision there. Those are some of the rumors uh, that I've been that that I've been hearing, but I'm not one hundred percent sure about that. Uh, that would, I think, be a monumental uh, statement if they could take down both Georgia and Clemson in that recruitment. Another one that I think Carolina is really focused on in-state, and this is a position where it seems pretty obvious that they're going to want to land at least one guy, potentially two, if it's the right combination. Is running back. You know, you Michael Allen ends up committing to NC State, so that's one of the four, the big four that we've talked about a lot on this podcast off the board, but. That leaves Amari and Hampton on the board. Out of the three running backs that Carolina is going after, George Petaway, Damari Olson, the other two uh, besides the two that we talked about, I personally, I, I love everything about Amari and Hampton's game. I think he is. Uh, he, he is probably the most complete of all the backs. Um, he may, you know, still have to develop a little bit, catching the ball out of the backfield. But what do you think about him? Because he's one of those guys that, you know, from the get-go, when I looked at this 22 class and started watching film on these guys, he was one of the top guys that I wanted.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, he is very easy to pick out in the crowd. Um, I went to one of his games and, Cleveland was up It was at Corinth Holders And Cleveland is up You know Practicing On this side field Which is kind of like Up the hill To the left Pretty far away From from the original field uh, and, you know They come down To start the game And I'm Getting there on the sideline Just getting set on my like Okay like Let me find Omari And then, like You know It's just within this crowd Of like 90 kids Walking on a field And you can just see him Towering over everybody You're Like oh okay That's him um, <laughs> And yeah He is You know He's built Like a tank Um he can turn on the Jets. Uh, he, he's obsessed with football. I mean, he, you know, he hurt his ankle, I think, playing, like, kickoff return, not even returning, but being a gunner because that's how obsessive he is about, you know, getting on the field and helping his team. Um, yeah, he, he is really, really impressive. I in mean, the one game I watched him, I think he had something like 316 all-purpose yards on, like, 9, 10, 11 touches, something like that. Um, and obviously he's got a ton of Power Five schools nibbling on him um, as well. Uh, but I mean, of those three, I mean, obviously I've seen him in person, so I'm probably a little bit yeah. slanted toward him, but I think, you know, like you said, he is as all purpose as they come. Um, but at the same time, you can't go wrong with, with a Petaway or an Austin, and obviously the 757 connection with Petaway is incredibly strong because uh, of Dre Blatt, who, who's really, you know, turned that region into like serious, serious territory for UNC um, where they've been able to poach some people. Uh, But yeah, Hampton, super, super impressive. Also impressive that uh, Cleveland made it all the way to the state championship game without him. Uh, You'd have to think that if he was healthy, that game against Mount Tabor would have gone a little bit differently.
1: Definitely, definitely. I think they are a big-time threat to win the state title in the fall here. Uh, last thing I'll ask you, you know, let's look at the 23 class here just really quickly because there are some guys that I am really impressed with early on. I mean, first of all, you go back to the state title games, Noah Rodgers is, hey, man, he's good. He's going to be, I would be shocked if he's not the top-rated receiver in in this class by the end, in the state of North Carolina, he is amazing, all-around great player. But there are a couple other guys as well in this class at wide receiver. You got a big quarterback in the state of North Carolina. Who are some of those guys early on in the twenty-three class that you're keeping an eye on? Uh, that that could be big names that Mac Brown and his guys will have to try to you know hold on to uh, with some big pursuers probably coming from the outside.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Noah Rogers is another he uh, was freezing the sideline for a touchdown until he tripped himself um and it was just like you know it was instant acceleration and that guy's also like 6-3 and will catch any fade route right? you throw to him as the state championship game showed um yeah, I think UNC specifically really likes Tad Hudson uh he was at that showtime camp spent a lot of time with Phil Longo uh he had that tweet a few weeks ago joking about how him and Mac Brown like played Pebble Beach on Max's golf simulator in his house which is funny um but he's a big one um, <clears throat> obviously Christian Hamilton's the top ranked guy in the state uh, a little bit more of a shorter slot guy but I mean he, he's already pulled in offers galore um, UNC had John Jarrett at camp at the showtime camp also yeah. uh, formerly of Ben-El who's transferring to Grimsley uh, it just finishes the question like is he going to play offensive or defensive line um they played a mostly defensive line at the Showtime camp. Um, and he played pretty well. I think offensive line, I mean, that's obviously what he's, you know, being projected as. That's what he's getting recruited as by most schools. That's what he is on 247. Uh, but UNC's definitely, you know, open to anything with him. Um, and they offered uh, Chris Tulliver, a wide receiver from Maiden, mm-hmm. um, after the camp as well. Uh, and that's a guy who it seems like um, he was one that's really benefited from getting on campus. I think he got like a, Virginia Tech office, where his, not his teammate, but Caleb Farley from Maiden went to Virginia Tech, obviously got drafted this year. Um, So he's pulled in two pretty big ACC offers um, by going to camps and impressing the coaches so much. Um, So yeah, within the state, that's kind of who jumped out to me immediately.
1: Yeah, and and you talked about another guy, Rico Walker, who I think is uh, a guy that everybody's keeping an eye on, Um, just really hoping that his team can have a little more success. They went uh, winless, I believe, this past year over there at Hickory. So uh, definitely a lot of talent in the state of North Carolina. Uh, You got Chapel Fowler, guys. He is covering it for you all. Where can they check out all this great coverage, man?
0: Oh, yeah, I appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Chapel Fowler. That's just first name, last name. I'm blessed with a unique enough name to where I can do that. Um, and you can read my work in the Fayetteville Observer. Um, it, it's also in all the other 11 papers that are in our USA Today network. Um, stuff goes everywhere. That, that's, you know, Wilmington, Asheville, Fayetteville, uh, Shelby, Gastonia,
1: Hendersonville, all over. So, yeah, I'm a. Uh, pretty widespread <laughs> God, that's awesome to hear man that's awesome to hear you are one of the best man uh i knew you know when we uh you know would talk to each other a little bit on and off before uh you ended up uh landing that gig that something big was coming around the corner for you it's so glad to see uh that you've got this job and you're you're killing it man keep up the great work we're going to be keeping tabs on you and uh yeah just uh keep those text messages open man we may be uh, hitting you up a couple more times to come on the podcast here and talk a little bit about recruiting in the state
0: Absolutely, man. I uh, appreciate the kind words and glad to give the opportunity. I feel a little bit old since the last time I was on this. I was like a halfway through college student and now i'm a year out of postgrad
1: the the last time that we saw each other was a guy that is currently getting ready to start his junior season and play for a hot for a chance to lead his team to the college football playoff and potentially win a heisman trophy remember we saw each other at sam howell's commitment announcement that was the last time that we actually saw each other in person Uh, so great catching up with you man now hopefully Hopefully Sammy can get it done, and hopefully Carolina can reel in some other big-time recruits. And who knows, maybe our pass will cross again here in the near future. But for now, yeah. just take care, man. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thanks, Anthony. Appreciate it.
1: All right, man. So there is Chapel Fowler. Uh, Again, you can read his work. Uh, Not only, I I thought Fayetteville Observer, that was uh, originally where I saw it, but it's all over. It's in all of the Observer papers. So make sure that you guys check out his great work. He is doing a fantastic job of covering the state of North Carolina, which just continues to grow in terms of the types of prospects that are coming out, the number of prospects. I mean, you're just coming off a 2021 class that was arguably the best in the history of North Carolina, the 2022 class. Not too bad as well, and you heard him talk about there are some really big names coming out in the 2023 class. He will have you covered on that front. We will also have you covered on everything Tar Heel recruiting on the website. HeelToughBlog.com Make sure you guys go there. Check it out. Uh, we've got some stuff up there right now. Recruiting stuff, of course. Uh, if you didn't read the Bo Atkinson commitment article, make sure you go back and read that. Learn a little bit more about the guy Guy that we talked about just a little while ago there with Chapel. Uh, he is a high motor guy. He is going to be uh, in on every play that he can possibly be in on. There's plenty more about his game. Make sure you guys go and read that on the website. Uh, we're going to have, of course, some updates coming out. It feels like Carolina is going to be in the running for some big players here, uh, you know, coming up that are going to make their decisions. Some big time prospects uh, should be shutting their recruitments down here not too long from now. So we're gonna have you covered on all those fronts. We're also gonna try to get uh, a little bit of a stock report together. It might not be a huge one, but we're gonna try to get some stuff together for you guys uh, that we can collect and uh, you know maybe get you a little bit of information before uh, you know this upcoming weekend, which will be the final weekend of official visits. After that. Uh, I th- I believe once they hit the month of July, everything gets shut down again. They take a break. Of course, they'll come back in the fall to open back up. Official visits can start again. Everything like that. Um, not sure exactly how they're going to do things. I don't even know if the NCAA really knows how they're going to do things. They're too busy worried about fighting in Supreme Court to try to not pay the players. Uh, but that's a whole different story. Um, uh, but I I, th- I believe that it is going to go into a dead period, or at least to the point where you can't visit on campus so we'll have to keep an eye out on that but even during that month of July there are going to be plenty of commitments that will probably be rolling through as guys will have narrowed down their decisions. We'll have you covered on all of that as well as all the stuff as we get prepared for the upcoming Tar Heel football season a 2021 season that uh, provides some humongous expectations for the Tar Heels as a team as we mentioned just a minute ago with Chapel also provides a ton of expectations for individuals like Sam Howell who is one of the Heisman favorites and we'll have you covered wall to wall throughout the season on the website heeltoughblog.com Josh has you covered on the basketball side of things Carolina has been hosting a ton of guys on campus and uh, basketball is going to be receiving some big-time commitments here in the coming days. So make sure that you guys are tuned into that, checking all that stuff out. We're going to have great podcast editions coming up. Four-star guard Seth Trimble, who was just on campus, is going to announce his commitment coming up soon. Justin Taylor, the four-star uh, wing player making his decision. All that stuff will be covered for you on the Heel Top Blog website. Josh Marlowe has he covered on that front. And of course, I will be there on the podcast with him whenever we go all over all of that stuff as well. Also, don't want to miss that next edition of the podcast because we're going to talk about Armando Baycott being officially back. And there may also have to be a conversation about Dayron Sharp. There's some rumors that he potentially has pulled out of the combine. We're going to discuss all of that on the next edition of the Four Corners podcast. Make sure that you guys are subscribed to both that feed and and our feed on any of your major uh, podcast platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, any of those, make sure that you are subscribed, and if you could, on some of those sites, you can leave, re- leave, excuse me, a rating or a review. If you could do that for us, we would greatly appreciate that, as it will help us to uh, get a little bit more recognition on some of those bigger podcast platforms. Also, make sure you're following us on social media. The Facebook page is the best place to follow because it has everything in one spot, including those live Facebook videos, which will be coming back. Those live. Editions of the podcast are right around the corner, guys. Whenever we go in to start previews for all of these different position groups, which is how we're going to do it this year, we're not doing just the offense, defense, and special teams like we've done in the past, sides of the ball. We're going to go through Position group by position group and break it down a little more in depth for you. There'll be shorter podcasts as well, so that'll be uh, much more pleasurable for you to be able to listen to those in you know uh, s- spaced out bunches as opposed to one giant podcast where we talk for an hour and a half plus about you know one side of the ball. So uh, we're really excited about that. We've got our studio back, so uh, we'll be doing all those live on camera. And once we get in uh, season, we'll be doing them from uh, the studio as well. So we are extremely excited about that. Uh, Make sure you guys are on the Facebook page. You can follow the Twitter page as well, at Blog on Twitter. Uh, And of course, you can follow our personal pages, at HTB Anthony for myself, uh, at HTB Josh for Josh Marlowe, and of course, uh, our recruiting analyst, Zach Hubbard, at Hack 2 We should be talking to him a lot more here over the next couple of weeks, so keep an eye out for all of that great stuff, both on the website and on the uh, podcast feed, as well as that Facebook page, guys. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Chapel Fowler for stopping by with us. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Toriels.